When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, Buttercup. Welcome back, everybody, to a Team Never Quit Podcast episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, and most importantly, thank you for subscribing. We appreciate that. If you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, you need to get over there and subscribe to that channel. We got short clips from the show as well as full episodes and some other stuff in the works that should be coming out there soon. And with that said, we can't forget our Patreon community out there as we're leading in here to the Patreon question of the day. You guys ready for that? Mm Mm-hmm. Where is the strangest place you have ever had a meeting? A meeting? Yeah. That was the Patreon question of the day. Well, that's weird. Uh, I don't think I've had a meeting in a weird place. That's what I was thinking, too. I don't know. Other than during quarantine um, at the ranch, having meetings like on the porch at the ranch, and Marcus would have like a suit top. And then swim shorts and flip-flops on. <laughs> so I had a rally up underwater un- underneath an aircraft carrier. We had a, de- we had a meeting and a debrief underneath there. That's so weird. the situation, yeah. it was weird. Yeah, there's a couple of them. I was under- hoping there was something like yeah, that. Underwater. <laughs> yeah, underwater. We've had them. We, we have them underwater for sure. And then... Um, How do you talk to each other? You can't, you can't believe it. <laughs> well, how is it? Yeah. What do you do? It's grunts, groans, signals, hand signals, uh, pressure points, pressure on, on the body to communicate. It's, just yeah. like it's, only, it's a different kind of sign language altogether. JJ and I were talking about this the other day. I was like, man, you know that they spent 
underwater for five years, six to eight hours. I mean, we got everything done. We lived. I couldn't believe it. So is that why you grunt at me? You're actually trying to talk to me? I think I it happens unnaturally. <laughs> when the lights go out and it's completely dark. And was, you just go there. I fall asleep underwater. I mean, that's a thing. And then, yeah, I'm just trying to communicate. I'm, wow, supposed, you're not to, I'm supposed to understand those well, grunts. Oh, I'm hoping. Okay. After all these years. No. But, yeah, so underwater would be mine. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> what How about, about you? you? Oh, oh, me. Um... Probably uh, the trunk of a car. Oh, wow. yeah. That's a good one. We got to hear that story. Yeah, that that's we'll definitely, definitely the best. Yeah. You win. Yeah. All right. We'll get into that story. All right. Yeah, thank you, we'll Patreon. Hear that. Thank you, Patreon, for that question of the day. Y'all are always out there bringing us interesting questions, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Keep it coming, guys. Today, we have a great guest in store. Tracy Walder went from sorority girl to CIA staff operations to stopping biological terror plots worldwide to an author of the book Unexpected Spy, which reveals how she tracked chemical terrorists and searched the world for weapons of mass destruction. Tracy has also shifted from her undercover overseas life in the CIA to working counterintelligence here back in the States for the FBI, and now I believe you're actually teaching. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That is amazing. That is quite the accolade story there from, I guess, essentially spy to... Teacher FBI of, agent. Yeah, FBI yeah. agent to teacher. That is amazing. Yeah. So we got to hear all about it's that. It's actually great. It's yeah. a great story. <laughs> Thank if, you. if you back up every American life and, and play it out like it's a script, there's some yeah. people down here that, ha- that have great ones. The outline of your life is amazing to me. And I, and I know a lot of people love here. I mean, they make great movies about stuff like that, actually. So I, I just want to back it up to how this all starts. So where, do you, where do you come from? If you could just back it up to like, your childhood, where'd you grow up and that kind of stuff. Okay. Sure. So, um, I guess maybe, can I just back it up to like, I guess a question I get, a question I get asked a lot that I think will help explain, um, the career path or lack thereof, of, of wanting, you know, I, I was born in the seventies. And so, you know, growing up, um, it was a different time. We didn't have like pop culture like we do today with Homeland and all those SEAL team shows. Right. We just didn't have that. And so I I always get the question, like, did you want to do this? And the, the answer is no, not in some kind of a rude way, but I really didn't have anything that like showed me that this was a, a career path to have, if that makes any sense. Sure, I think absolutely. Now, you know, a lot of people know that these are career paths you can explore. So for me, um, so I was born with a, a developmental disability called hypotonia. Um, so I still have it. I um, basically, it, it's called, it, it's low muscle tone. It's a, it's like a precursor to cerebral palsy and they still don't really have a cure for it. So I didn't like roll over until I was one. I didn't walk until I was three. So sometimes it's fatal in people because the heart is obviously a muscle. Right. <laughs> and so um, for me though, it was just uh, low, low muscle tone. And so obviously I began walking and all of that. And I think the doctor was like, well, you know, whatever, she won't be an athlete, but you know, it's fine. It doesn't affect your brain or anything like that. Um, and so, um, I started in about third grade to be pretty horrifically bullied. Like kids would trip me on purpose. I like, I'm always going to be a clumsy person. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I don't think people would necessarily know that like I have 
the condition, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, so that was sort of my childhood. I grew up in Southern California. My dad is a former Navy, fought as a Vietnam vet. Um, both my grandpas are World War II vets, and both my great grandpas are oh, World yeah, War Oh, yeah, so you come from a warrior family. You come from yeah, right, stock. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, go ahead. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I think... I don't know that I ever thought the military would be a path for me because again, there just weren't a lot of like women representation in it, but I just kind of always knew that service was like a a path for me, whatever that like looked like, I guess. And so um, I was bullied like really horrifically, but my dad is a huge, huge history buff. And so he'd always give me books to read and I just came to really love history. And so my junior year of high school, I had a really influential teacher who sort of helped me come out of my shell and I decided, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to major in history and I'm going to be just like this teacher. Um, And so I went, I applied to the one school where I went for free because that's where my dad was a professor. (laughs) So uh, that's good thinking. (laughs) uh, Well, I mean, free tuition. Uh, Hey, that's great. Yeah, good thinking. And it, you know, USC is not a cheap school. And so to go there for free, it was pretty awesome. Um, And so I got in and you know, I guess sort of uh, the rest is history. But um, if you want, I can talk a little bit about how I I decided on. on oh, yeah. Sierra. We need to hear all that. Yeah, about, probably, we talk about USC, too. One of my best friends, a strength coach there now for the football team. So I, yeah. I'm, oh. I'm a recently added fan of, yeah. uh, of USC. So my, my dad went there. My aunt went there and my great grandpa went there. So we are like Aww. a huge. And my dad is obviously a retired professor from there. So we are big. Trojan fam. I love it. I'll I love obviously it. have to bring up 2005 when University of Texas well, and that. Uh, look, that. <laughs> that <laughs> that's our only thing. I can, that's all I can go to. That's, that's funny. But, um, all right. So, so you have siblings? Do you have sisters, brothers, or anything? Is it, is it just, I have a brother. Okay. Older or younger? Uh, he is two and a half, well, three years younger. Is he in the business too, or did he do different, no. path, different path? So I take more after my dad. Um, and my brother, he's not feminine by any stretch of the imagination. He is just, he is super into math, super into computers, president of his fraternity, lives his best life, uber social, a dude's dude. Yeah. Um, Love it. One of them guys, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's cool. He does that. That's cool. That's cool. A more traditional kind of like lifestyle path, if that makes any sense. He doesn't want anything to do. Uh, with government work and it, it's not a bad thing that's just who he is right. I took more after my dad I guess in that sense love it okay so tell us about how you got started into yeah on that path so, so to orient the audience I don't know how old you all are but like I grew up with terrorism being Oklahoma City yes um Waco, like that, that was my version of terrorism because again, like I grew up in the eighties and nineties, right? Not, not a pre nine 11 world. And so I did not have a lot of exposure to foreign terrorism. Yes. We had bombings, um, in Nairobi, uh, Tanzania, those had happened. But I think for me, you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, that's over there. Right. Like it didn't, I didn't necessarily understand the problem here, if that makes any sense. And yes, we had the world trade center bombing in 93, but again, it was not obviously on that sort of broad scale. And Al-Qaeda wasn't even formed until 89, right? So, you know, well, terrorism them brushing not- over that. Mm-hmm. And I-, I remember them brushing over that. We're the same age. We're the, we're, yeah. we're 78s too. So I, yeah. I call us 78s. We're born in the 1900s. 
<laughs> we're our kind of we're a unique generation. Gen X. Yeah, yeah Gen X. <laughs> yes, go, right, yeah. Gen X. And I remember when that happened. I mean, they showed a picture of it, right? But it was just like smoke bellowing out of that garage. Right. And then I, but that, I do not remember the first World Trade Center bombing. I, I just don't. I don't know where I was at that time, but it they, was. They really didn't focus on. Yeah, I do know. remember I think, the Oklahoma City yes, bombing. That was. I think because I, I lived yes. in the in Texas, like they showed it more because OJ it was, thing went down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was in the nineties, right? Like. I yeah. was in what Newport Beach, California, and you know, even there, we weren't really focused. Yes, I remember seeing what happened with the World Trade Center, but like you said, it was just kind of glossed over. We spent a lot of time at Oklahoma City yeah. and Waco. You know, it was just—I think we didn't understand it yeah. quite yet. Well, that's a great way of saying that. No, we didn't. Yeah, it was before technology as well. I mean, we kind of—it was kind of oh, yeah. there, but we're—we're we're the ones that brought that in. Yeah. As soon as oh, we absolutely. came of age, I didn't get my first phone i don't think till active till we were in the military that's the early 20s right i didn't yeah. get it until i, I was like 23 I was yeah i think i was maybe 20 yeah. or 20 you know something yeah. and it was big you know it was like a big oh yeah oh it didn't go with you that's for that's for dang sure <laughs> and my parents being like do not use this unless you're stuck on the side of the road bleeding uh, oh yeah with the bag phone right? too like was, don't even crank it up you crank that thing so up expensive, expensive you know like for a call right. and i just i just remember that being you know that that was the thing yeah <laughs> i didn't even have that. that i i had to wait until it was i was i think i was 23 or 24 i was born in 79 and um yeah i did not have it i had a child before i had a phone so I was a, That's a, way of a single that. mom driving around my baby without a cell phone. Without a phone. <laughs> and everything was fine. Everything and I would stop just, at payphones. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, get it. Yeah. The phones were connected to the wall. They just had a long string. <laughs> cord with it. All right. All right. So yeah. when did you start? Because you're right. Back in the 1900s, they didn't right. have documentaries. I mean, you, right. if you were in front so, of a TV, it was lucky to get. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so I majored in history at USC, right? Like, because I was going to be a high school history teacher. And, um, I, you know, I had, I was struggling in one of my classes and I had to keep a really high GPA to keep that full, you know, tuition remission that I had from my dad. And so I went to meet with my professor who actually was the dean of the entire like liberal arts school. And, you know, he's like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I was like, I'm a history major. You just teach with that. And he's like, dude, there's other stuff you can do. And he printed me out a list and I started like doing things that looked interesting on it. And so I interned at a museum. Um, that was actually a lot of fun. I interned for a dude, senator. I, never, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's actually done that. It was really fun. I would was catalog. It? I bet it was, back. right? Intern for a museum. Yeah. Write those little, you know, blurbs that explain, <laughs> um, you know, underneath. I interned for a senator um, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but nothing really um, stuck with me, you know, in terms of wanting to depart from that history path. Yeah. Um, I guess to go back a little bit. So I grew up, it's not like this now, but where I grew up, I was really the only person of my religion in my school. And so I knew that I was, I don't want to say different, but I knew people didn't love us because every time I went into my place of worship, I had to go through a metal detector and there were police officers. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I just knew that we were different versus, you know, I'd go to socials at my friend's churches and you just sort of walk right in, right? It wasn't, so I just knew we were different. And I knew the Middle East was this like tumultuous place 
but I don't think my parents ever really explained that to me. Um, And so I didn't really have an understanding, but I think I was interested because I didn't understand why there was conflict, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so in 1997, I was working out and CNN did the really the first and only interview with like a Western news station with Osama bin Laden. And I watched it. And during that interview, he issued his fatwa or yeah, declaration of war against the U.S. But being like the self-centered 19-year-old, <laughs> he also issued a declaration of war against Jews. And so I, I actually am Jewish. And so when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's me. Right. You know, because you're just self-centered and the world revolves around you, I guess, when you're 19. <laughs> this is, is this why there's problems? Is this, this guy? Is this guy creating the problems? Right. Like I was I just didn't understand where it came from. And so I wanted to learn more. And so I know USC is a great school. But again, at the time, which I know might sound silly to some younger folks, like there were not classes you could take in terrorism sure. or national security. And so. I started, I took uh, like Middle Eastern history. I took um, intro to Islam. I took international relate. Like I tried to take anything I could um, to, I guess, learn um, more about it. And that's when I really became very interested, but I couldn't find anyone to help me. And I didn't know if I was interested in this terrorism thing, like, what do you do with that? Where do you work? Which I know today sounds so silly, but this was like 1998. Oh, we're the ones that invented that. I mean, even if it was just a thought process at the beginning, we're the ones that had to lay the outline for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there just wasn't, and everyone always thinks it's so silly when I say this, but like that really was the truth of the time. Right. And so. How crazy um, is that to think about that? Yeah. It's very crazy to think about a a pre 9-11 world, I guess, not post, but pre. And so I, I knew I had heard about this thing called the CIA and I knew that they did foreign stuff. Right. But I'm not sure I fully, I associated them with like, we didn't even have a new James Bond. I don't think at that point, I think it was no, like, yeah, still we didn't. Sean, I don't, I'm I think it was sure. still Sean Connery, who is obviously an incredible actor, but awesome. like, I don't, <laughs> I don't see myself in that necessarily. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I went to a career fair and there was a table the CIA openly recruits at, at schools. This oh yeah. A, weird, a new thing. And, um, I remember asking the recruiter, I said, do y'all work terrorism and he's like oh it's a very small you know group that we have that does that we're really looking for russian speakers and spanish speakers yeah. those are our two aois right now because colombia right colombia um, yeah, so yeah, Colombia, right. a little bit of like guatemala and that's Honduras, right, that's right. i think um at the time and then obviously russia and i don't speak either of those languages right and those weren't areas i was particularly interested in but i thought whatever i'll give you my resume and you know whatever, maybe you'll call. And I know like sometimes people are like, she's so flippant about it. I'm not, this is just like how it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Was, I don't know any other way to No, be it's so- the best way to explain it. So people will know if they're getting in it. Cause if you explain <laughs> yeah. it any other way, then people are like, well, that could never happen to me. I'm like, well, that's cause they but didn't it say it the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> younger than us do not understand how things worked in the late totally. 90s like I had to I graduated in 97 and I had to hand write my <laughs> college applications yes it was and you yes. had to like do it 
over and over and over again. Yes. You know, if you wanted to apply to 10 schools, you were filling out 10 <laughs> packets of yes. and making photocopies of all of your transcripts. You know, all you that didn't kind have of time stuff. to do anything else. He's always writing something. Nowadays, because yes. um, we have a 24-year-old that just graduated from college, there is one website you fill out one yeah. application, yes. and you yes. just click what, Send, what schools done. you want it to go to. It's so easy <laughs> nowadays. It's called the Common App. Right, Is yes. that true? Is yeah. that how it works? Yeah, it's so easy. It, but back then, it was so hard. And a lot of people just didn't do things that were hard. <laughs> I mean, it makes it makes sense. And, and you know, like Margaret was, Mark was saying, like, I feel – I like to share that because, like you said – I wasn't some crazy achiever with connected parents and, you know, all of that. Like, that's not how I got where I got, right? Like, yes, I had a good GPA. I had to because I didn't, my parents couldn't afford to keep me there, right? If I didn't, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, stay there. And so uh, they call, obviously CIA call clearly. And, you know, I began um, the process, but as oh, I'm oh, sure. All right. So this is a cool story too. What, oh. What's that call like when they come over? Did they do the secret with the newspaper? We're like, hey, here, we're here to recruit you for the. Uh, no, so they don't recruit you. They they called um, my room, obviously, and again, I did not myself. I wasn't used for that purpose. I would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Um, so, you know, they called the landline in, in my room, and it was my roommate who actually answered. That's an even better uh, story. It's the CIA. They want to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, what do you you know, because there's a couple of agencies that they ring your phone, you're like, if someone else answers, it's it's actually great when they do because there's the look on their face. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, um, they, they called and then you sort of begin the process, right? There's all these different hoops, I guess, you know, you could say that you sort of jump through and then you, they have cuts, right? You know, at each of those hoops, very similar to the seals, I'm sure. And, yep. um, you know, I, I made it through all of the hoops, I guess. That is so awesome. What was, that? was that scary? What was it? What was it? Is exciting, right? Exhilarating. Mm, frustrating, I think, would be the better. Whole time. Um. No. Um. Where it got frustrating is, and I, I talk about this in my book. The the part where I almost quit, like stopped it, um, was the polygraph. Um, I was just, I got really mad and like really annoyed. Um, so I think that part wasn't, was, was frustrating. Good Lord. We were watching meet the parents the other day and we were, Oh, what he has to take the lie detector. <laughs> he stumbles into oh, that yeah. freaking room <laughs> and stress him up to that lie detector. That's a great scene. Yes. I, I, lo I love it. Uh, the box is one thing altogether. It's just funny to watch people go. I mean, it's funny now. When, when back in the day when you get strapped up and you're young and you don't know anything, you got all those moments of truth and everything. I, well, I forgot about all that, man. It's it is it is nerve wracking. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot you were going to have to go through that part. I've never had to take a polygraph, <laughs> but I I have thought about if I would ever have to take one, and I get so nervous when anyone thinks I did something wrong that I'm <laughs> sure my nerves would be like this because I it's almost like self inflicted guilt. I don't know what that is about me, but I get so nervous when it comes to something like that because I'm always like, they're going to think I did something just because I'm nervous. <laughs> is that how it was for you? Um, no, it was just very frustrating. Um, like all the questions and it, it was just, it was frustrating. <laughs> yeah. How oh. long was it? Um, 
So the first one was about eight hours. And then the second one was about three. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine being in a room eight hours going through something like that. It's like a day of school. Yeah. (laughs) When you you think about it, it's like, how do you relate to that? It's like like a day of school. Yeah. Sitting there all day long. No breaks. No breaks. (laughs) Well. Sure you get a bathroom break. That's funny. All right. So you get. When they call, at, from, from the time they call to the time you're activated is how long? Oh, I mean, that, it was very short for me. It was like a year because um, my background didn't take a long time to do because I was so, so young, obviously. Right. You don't have a lot of skeletons in your closet. Yeah. And the ones you do in there, they don't, that's not the ones they care about. <laughs> Doing dumb stuff as kids. And, no, and I they, mean, like partying in my oh, sorority. right. I mean, that, that, drinking underage. Really that's right. That they, a lot of the stuff yeah. that the young kids that you worry about at that age, that's not the stuff they're looking for. No, that, they didn't <laughs> at, at, at all. Matter of fact, they're, no. they're really good at that stuff. <laughs> Everybody I have worked with from the agency, man, they were professional at everything. And I mean everything. <laughs> partying. <laughs> yeah, they have a good time too, man. You got to. Yeah, so your acceptance to the CIA, let's go from there. Yeah. I graduated college, but like May of 2000-ish, something like that. And then I EOD'd like a couple weeks later um, at the agency. Yeah. And um, I guess I got really lucky because I was put in the counterterrorism center. Um, Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That was still before... uh, 2001. I like to tell people I was there before it was cool. Well, yeah, well, yeah it's a great way to <laughs> And, say you that. know, people are like, oh, you must have been amazing to get put there. I was like, no, that was where they put all the people that weren't good because the, all the seasoned people were like the head of the Russian division. Yeah. And, you know, it's, <laughs> so you no, chased, think, we talk about that in the communities, like trying to chase something down. Like, I want to go in here. I want to try that. Man, that's how you obviously you don't wind up getting it. Usually every all the guys we talk, we laugh about it. You can't chase those battles, man. You just kind of let gotta them get come put, to you. I yeah, guess. they got to let them come to you, man. You get put in there, and it's usually in those those environments where nothing was going down. That's the same way it was for us. That's like you yeah. going into SDV when yeah. you first got in. Yeah, yeah. The last place he wanted to go was a division called SDV, and nowadays, yeah, it's people. A, it's really hard to get into. They don't. People want to go into yeah into I just, SDV. I started out in special deliveries. Yeah. Which is, the craziest thing is hard, hard, because because the attention was elsewhere. I came in two thousand two, right before that. In two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, I I remember the transition going on too. All of it, and it happened fast. It's almost like we had to. There weren't any rules on us because we got hit. Man, they punched us. So guys right. are like, just go get them. Like, okay, Roger that. <laughs> cool, man. We got you. So what was that like pre nine eleven being in counterterrorism? This is going to sound so strange. It was weirdly normal. You know, it was just like a normal work day, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I was obviously waiting to go to the farm, you know, because I was on the op side yeah. and you have to go to head. It's the reverse of the FBI. So CIA, you spend time at HQ first, then you go right. to the FBI. You spend, so um, the, I mean, basically it, it was uh, weirdly normal, right? You went to work, you came home, you went to work, you came home. Like that was just what you did. And, and my job was to try to get as much information as possible on um, terrorist training camps. That was- Were you at Langley? Life. I'm sorry? Were you at Langley? Mm-hmm. Just cool. It's cool saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still is. That, that yeah. word just rolls out. Like when you hear it, I don't care what you're like, oh. So how does a young lady get information on terrorist training camps pre 9-11 when you don't even know 
what all of that really is. Are they prepping you and giving you assignments to to go for, or are you just trying to figure things out yourself? I think you're trying to figure things out as much as you can. I can't divulge too much yeah, about, no, you okay. know, sources and methods sure, or yeah, getting in trouble. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, um, no. We get, hey, we get yeah, it. No, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I've served in, what, 13 different countries? And, I mean, most of them not ones that you would consider hospitable, you know, to women. And I've never had a problem except for in one country. And it wasn't me. They were pissed off at our chief of station because, and they just took it out on me, right. you know? And so, um, I never had a problem. Yeah. Weirdly enough. So tell Makes us about the, uh, that. being in the trunk story then. Oh, well, that's a, a ways into the, okay. the career. And <laughs> so that would have been after September 11th. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that would have been. I remember when that happened. I didn't, y'all, cause I had heard Osama bin Laden a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Not, not even really. And and our, our main focus was, man, we weren't even on, on Russia either. We were on something completely different. But the day that happened, or the day after, like when everyone got unified, when those flags came mm-hmm. up and, and everything started moving, our organization and y'all's organization is when I got flooded, inundated with the money. And they was like, hey, man, you guys go and get it. And I remembered getting the intel, just like you said, because you read or watch a movie. Like, we try to watch a movie on something or read something on the country and, and how things are the way they are. And, and when we say we get intel, it's like, the best way to do that, imagine going and living in a neighborhood somewhere that you're not from and trying to learn the slang and just the vibe. Like, just, just trying to learn the vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain things, yeah, you can do them, but you don't, right? And, and, and that's what, that was what we had to figure out. That takes a lot. Yeah, it was, it was um, weird, I guess, obviously being at headquarters on September 11th in the counterterrorism center. Um, I mean, we took a lot of crap for it, obviously. And, you know, we got blamed. And I think a lot of us feel like it's our fault. And, you know, it's not. I understand that. But, you know, um, you kind of go through all of, all of that. Yeah. But there wasn't any time to, like, really be upset. And I had just been read into a program a week before September 11th that wasn't supposed to start until the spring of 2002. Um, and then that started the next day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so that t- was, it was myself and two other guys. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. A lot. Um, but it was fun, <laughs> I guess. We were truly the tip of the spear, I guess, in terms of, um, uh, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, three people. I mean, everything had, <laughs> I forgot about that. When that I happened, everybody the shifted their focus is. straight to y'all. I can't say what the program is. They still won't let me, but yeah. it's in my book. Uh, parts of it are redacted, and it's called The Vault. Um, but that was, it was myself and two other guys. We were the very first people to actually work it, which is like, now that I think about it, I don't think I fully understood what that meant at the time, obviously. But um yeah, we were definitely at the tip of the spear uh, in terms of the war in Afghanistan. And I mean, the room we worked in was so small and the president, everyone was in there every day, all day. And it was just a lot.
That's a great story, actually. Yeah, that's so crazy. Cause the cat, I mean, and I, we were trying. A couple of my buddies and I were talking about this the other day. Like, you can watch this stuff that we did on TV, or you can read about it. But there's a missing element. That the chaos factor when that's dropped on you, like when we have to go through that, and you're spun up. But when people, when especially when everyone's activated, you can feel it. And that 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 after over time we got good at it, so that kind of mellowed down. We got our battle rhythm, but there was nothing like that first that first couple of years, man. It was just I don't even I remember talk, a lot of it. I so talk fast. in my book a bit about um, December two thousand one, working that night on that program, um, and having Bin Laden in our sights, but not being able to do anything about it was really upsetting, oh <laughs> to gosh. say the least. Oh yeah. <laughs> Golly, that's crazy. We don't want to get you in trouble, so only say what you're totally comfortable with, and just <laughs> know that we can edit oh, out yeah, anything yeah, that, that you. If you oh, do yeah, yeah. say anything, no, I know what I can. And writing a book is good, right? Because then I know what I can and can't. Yeah, about. But the whole Bin Laden stuff. I I do detail that, and that's been cleared by the agency. Oh yeah, well they love hearing. Our people love hearing that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That that when it cut, there's a couple of those events that we've all gone through, like when the, everyone's involved, especially with this one and, and you from the from the time you started it to the time we took them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, it's um, it was frustrating, and it's weird because the agency won't let me talk about the program in specific that I worked. <laughs> but if you read the chapter, it's become, in my opinion, very clear what it was. Sure. <laughs> okay, but um. It's whatever. If that's what makes them happy, then I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. So what did your career end up looking like post 9-11? Yeah, my career ended up looking really weird because uh, we couldn't be gone at the farm for like five months because, hello, you know, we were the only ones that were there like pre-September 11th. Um, and so my training was like really piecemeal, right? So I would go to uh, defensive driving for three weeks and then come back and then go overseas and then go to like small arms training and then go back and then go overseas, right? Like I, because it was just, for them, it was just better, right? Which is completely fine. I enjoyed it. But after I stopped working that program, um, because they didn't, we were working like 22 hours a day and they're just like, no, no more. (laughs) It'd be going on for like four months. And so they rotated us off. And then I got moved to a new group that was formed in the counterterrorism center because they formed all these different groups called uh, CTCWMD and our bosses. So my boss uh, was the chief of station Moscow. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so really? yeah, he was brought back. Yeah, brought to... back. Was it, did he? What do you think about that? Was he upset about it or was he? No, he was the best boss I've ever okay. had in my life. Um, but it was just funny because now all of a sudden, you know, this Russian sure. branch was so great, right? They brought them all back and moved them to counterterrorism. And he was just the most incredible boss I've ever had in my life. He was like absolutely fantastic. And um, so it was that that was chaired by him and his deputy was his deputy in Moscow station as well. But they had all been PNG'd when a guy named Robert Hansen leaked their names. Um, and so they were all brought back right. to headquarters. And so um, from there, uh, am I talking too much? I'm no, sorry. no, we want you to talk. Keep okay. talking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to get used to it. You're going to be doing it a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. So no, but and so I, um, I worked CTCWMD and my job was mostly um, like crude toxins and poisons. Um, 
ricin, botulinum, anthrax, like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my target was a guy named Zarqawi, who I also like to say I worked him before he was cool um, because he uh, went and uh, founded obviously ISIS. But prior to that, um, he was one of the things Bin Laden, I mean, I'm obviously not giving him credit, but one of the things he was like good at was uh, creating franchises and branches of um, real good at it. You give him credit for that. So, you give him credit for being good at that stuff because that, that they they're masterful at it. Yeah, yeah. And so Zarqawi um, was his his poison. The two of them hated each other, but I think Zark uh, Bin Laden was like, "But you are good at stuff, so let me put you in charge of this." So obviously, he became our enemy number one, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so our job was to get as much information that we could from sources on him, any poison attacks that might be coming up that was our our job so that meant going overseas and and talking to people and and doing so that that was my primary focus the whole time that I worked there wow I do remember when the anthrax thing was such a huge like everybody was scared to open a letter at one point oh, that was right after September 11th yeah, yeah. it was just it, because because of the of 9-11 it was like what's next and it was thought to be the anthrax was next that you could that anyone could just get it in the post office so they said would say don't lick the envelopes you know (laughs) use those little envelope gun uh glue guns and i I remember that um specifically that was a huge deal for those younger than us that didn't (laughs) experience that it was a it was a real fear i don't know if it was a real threat but it was a real fear huh now that i think about it it's like something new every year yeah (laughs) Yeah, but back then, think about it. Right after the bombings, it wasn't really a fear that they were going to hit more buildings. It was a fear that we were going to get poisoned somehow. Mm -hmm. Oh, good times. (laughs) So you went over there to research this, basically. No, um, I went over there to uh, recruit human assets, to give us information and to gain information that I could um, from folks that we had already caught um, who might be able to tell us when the next attack was. Did you get any information from women or can you say that? No, never from women. Yeah, it was always men. And you would Mm -hmm. think that would be really hard because they do not respect women like they do i think we have maybe a misconception of how they are portrayed in the media sometimes and i mean there's disrespectful people here right and mm-hmm. um, some of the most disrespectful men to me have actually been here yeah <laughs> not overseas which is interesting um oh yeah there's I been thought- a bad light shined on everybody actually that war does yeah. that war does that yeah i i i never had an issue ever not once like truly ever and then i know that i mean this probably sounds terrible but you know if they did underestimate estimate me or whatever i use that to my advantage that's not my problem like mm-hmm. that's their that's problem. the best thing yeah <laughs> the, the more unassuming you are the better mm-hmm. i mean my job is to manipulate people to give me information and so it worked well for me God, i have that issue first guy got a hold of me in y'all's profession we sat, sat down lunch didn't even know what's happening dude i mean by the end of it i was <laughs> Eating fried chicken and be like, oh, my mother does this. You know, I was like, I was in uniform. Gotcha. And he was the best dude. And he had, you know, he's just so happy, right? He had his, he had the best smile on his face, man. Much I he, care. He just kind of, you know, y'all are real good at that. 
Well, and I never had, like, I worked with uh, SEAL Team 6 a lot, Um, you know, what I was doing. Are you the one that got the rosary? No. Okay, just checking. (laughs) And they were always so amazing to me. And, I mean, I never had issues, like, ever um, with men, ever. In any culture. (laughs) Some of the, yeah, the interrogation. My dad always said, if you want to get something out of somebody, just get them drunk. (laughs) They'll, they'll, they'll tell you whatever they like you. They'll tell you what, what you want. They hate you. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you everything. That's true. He, and I, I, mean, really I mean, literally, drink, if you so get buddy with them and just feed that, my dad, he was, he could get some information out of folks. I'm going to beat the hell out of people. I mean, seals waterboard ourselves with alcohol, like with tequila and stuff, just for fun. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that happen before with us. We do some crazy, anything we do to the bad guys, we do to ourselves for fun. But yeah, they're, they're, the, the best way is the unassuming. Like laugh it out in conversation. It was. They were great. I I really had no issues like ever. That's cool. All right, go ahead. You got two. So on the desk of Bin Laden and Zarqawi. So I stopped sort of focusing on Bin Laden when I was moved to the WMD group. And then obviously my focus at that point was Zarqawi because there was another group working Bin Laden. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It it was all. I remember that when that, when the WMT, I was on one of those teams. Mm-hmm. When we first came out, when I was first over, my, some of my primary missions were for y'all. Had, was that uh, in Iraq? Yes, ma'am. So I didn't work Iraq. Oh, okay. We were searching Those were the two la- different groups. The counter-proliferation group is what worked WMD in Iraq. We worked um, terrorists who were using it. So we're talking more North Africa, Afghanistan, and some other Middle Eastern places. Everywhere but Iraq. We did not work Iraq. So you got full benefit then. I didn't, I didn't ever, I've never been to Iraq. Um, no, I know. I'm that's not- what I'm saying. Then you got full benefit because Northern Iraq and Afghanistan, man, that's hard territory. <laughs> I can't unfortunately say yeah. what countries I went to. I, I get it. No, I I, I get Which it. There's no problem with that, man. I, I can tell in- when that happens. When I'm trying to say, ask you something, you're like, yeah, I'm like, all right, so shift. Because I was on the offside, um, <laughs> I, get I it. had no, I'm sorry. you know, when I went overseas, which is a bummer. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us what you can about the next step. So after Zarqawi, where'd you go from there? Are you getting pretty senior now? Are you getting to choose your destinations after this? Or is this still, I mean, no. still going? If like you were a, in the counterterrorism yeah. center, you were not, it didn't matter if you were like a branch chief, like you were not like picking. Yeah, just wherever <laughs> um, you need to go. You know, where you go. But yes, I was like a a pre-manager, I think at that point. Um, but I, I made a decision and I always think that it was like a super mature decision to leave because I loved it there. Like I said, I loved my boss. I loved my colleagues. I had lots of awards. I was being promoted so quickly. You know, like I have nothing bad to say about my job there, but I didn't want to live overseas anymore. I was totally burnt out, which I mean, given the work we were doing is kind of expected. So are you married by now? <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you married? No. Mm-mm. Single life, right? I got, married, I got married pretty late. Okay. So yeah, single, single life. life while you were in though, right? Yep. All right. Yep. Um, and so I made the decision that I, I loved the counterterrorism like mission. And so I wanted to work, you know, in one place and stay kind of stateside. And so that's when I made the decision to become a special agent at the FBI. So I left the CIA on like a Friday and I reported to Quantico on Monday. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So is that as easy as shifting in the military or is there some more difficulty behind that? You can just walk away from the other one. Did you let them know that was happening or what? Of course, of course. You know, I left under, like I said, I mean, they gave me a award the day I left as well as a money bonus. Like, I mean, they, 
the, the CIA could not have been more supportive of me. They were not happy, obviously, to see me like go. Mm-hmm. I'm still friends with all of my colleagues, you know, to this day. But um, I mean, I think they understood the reasons in that it was never going to change. Like that's what the CIA does. Right. And so I was I wasn't trying to like escape a boss or something like that. It was just. No, no, I know. But uh, we have some guys that were in the Marine Corps that came over into the SEAL teams. It's just tough, especially if you're squared away. Mm-hmm. Like so if you're real squared away, you're, you're, usually your units won't let you go. But if you're a shitbag, then they, they they don't want to send you to the other, <laughs> other side. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a happy medium. So I don't walk. think I was a shitbag, but maybe yeah. I was. No. Um, but no, I, CIA, I didn't say that. <laughs> CIA and FBI are two different organizations, right? And so they don't have a choice. Like if you want to leave, you can leave, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, made, I made, like I said, the decision to leave, but I... I I mean, CIA is an intelligence collection organization. That is what they do overseas, period, the end. That is their mission. That is how they were set up. The FBI is a law enforcement organization in the United States. That's their mission. That's how they were set up. Those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And the two agencies really hate each other. Absolutely. (laughs) They hate each other? Absolutely. Well, so I was naive and didn't understand it because we had two agents detailed to the counterterrorism center when I was there, Doug and Mark. And Doug and Mark were actually awesome and worked really well with all of us, right? And so I had a mentality that everyone would be like Doug and Mark, right? Because (laughs) I just assumed, I mean, that they're what I met of the Bureau. Right. Right. And so uh, that's what I assumed. It wasn't like that Alabama, when you got there. Auburn. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a competition. It's I don't know, especially in the beginning when we, everyone was vying with, with us. When we, when you would go in, it, you, everyone was vying for something. They were trying to get their place, and then once you got in there, then you had to establish yourself. It's, it, you'd be, you'd be surprised. But then when, the best is when we're away from the flagpole, and you get guys out there from different agencies. Man, we wouldn't even know that. They just stick us in there in civilian clothes. No one identified themselves. You just knew their. Ne- even if you knew their damn name. We know people for 30 years don't even know their name. They're just mm-hmm. call signs and nicknames. <laughs> but I mean the best people. The, the best people, absolutely. So what was FBI like? Um, pretty horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think part of the problem, I guess this goes back to leadership, right? And, and management style. Like I said, at the agency, I had nothing but remarkable bosses and leaders but then at the bureau, um, the head of the academy um, did not like the fact that I was from the agency at all, um, and <laughs> made my life a living hell. Um, he put me for every scenario we had in Hogan's Alley. I had to be the leader for everything. Like made just made my life a living hell. But I passed every test. Like <laughs> oh you know, a lot of people are like, "Why didn't you just quit?" And I'm like, that's not going to happen. I think he had, so there were six women in my class, which that's not weird to me. Like I said, I'd been the only girl like so many times. I definitely don't care. Um, But 
I am hyper feminine. That's just who I am. It doesn't mean I can't shoot a gun and pass all the PT tests, but I have long blonde hair. I like fashion. I wear makeup. Like if you don't like that, that's a you problem, like not a me problem. But he had a big problem with that, like had a huge problem with that. And um, the amount of sexual harassment that I underwent um, was pretty bad, but I refused to quit. I mean, what, why would I do that? You know? So that make you tough? What? That make you tough? I think I've always been, you know, if you look at the agency and what I did there. I get that, but I'm just asking, that didn't help you at all? Like, did it just help you even more? Like now, if you had to go back and be an instructor and you had somebody bitching and complaining about going through something after you went through the worst parts of it yourself, like you, and passed it and took it, no matter what they were throwing at you to throw you off your game. And as a little sexual harassment from somebody throws you off your game, you've been overseas, you know what, they're worse. They're not though. That's the thing. I'm talking about I if you said, get hemmed up. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> you can stick up for them all you want, but I know what happens sometimes. And, they, and when some girls, if they're not used to that, and that's all it takes to throw them off their game, I'm not saying he was right. I'm just saying that, that that if it's a possibility that it can happen to you, and you get trained in it, when you you and successfully made it through it like you did, turn around if you ever have to be an instructor. The difference was is like. Look, I've been around men who were making so many inappropriate jokes and so many inappropriate, but it was never like mean and vicious and vindictive, like ever. I just more thought it was funny and just like literally carried on with my day, right? Like I'm not hypersensitive to that stuff at all. I've never been. This was different. This was, you'll be a good agent on your knees under my desk. This was- You, we don't like the way you look in your pants. It makes us uncomfortable. Can you write a letter apologizing for the way you look? That's super different yeah. than like an inappropriate like sex joke. Do, yeah. do you see, like, no, it, I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is was, a difference, 100%. Sure. And I had never experienced that yeah. with the guys before. Like in the past, it was just all like jokes and whatever. Like yeah. it was, I don't know. It was just, it wasn't that. Sure. That's how you can tell somebody gets in that didn't earn that position. Yeah. Like the guy. So did did he get in trouble or did you file any complaints with him? No. I should have, obviously. You know, I look back and I should have. But I graduated and and, um, I went to the LA field office to the Santa Ana resident agency. Um, And they didn't put me in counterterrorism there. Um, they put me working uh, Chinese counterintelligence. Wait, what year is this? 2005. Okay. Um, and I liked it a lot. It was really fun. But uh, the sexual harassment continued. Um, and I think I had just become like so numb to it uh, that uh, I told my dad a few things that some of the people had said. And that's when he was just like, you need to, to leave. Like, yeah. And that's when I, I quit. So no, not at all. So hey, this team never quit. Don't worry about it. It's not what that yeah. is at all. So you um you experienced it from different people within the bureau. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same guy that was doing it when you first went in. Nope. That's so crazy. The bureau's going through some tough times. Yeah. Days, like. Look, but, and I can only talk about my lived experience, right? Like not every agent there is like that. Like right. that's truly 
you know, not, but I liked the work I did, but it made me realize that we have some work to do. Uh, and so sure. that's when I sort of got into teaching um, yeah. was I went and got my master's in education and I started teaching. But what I started realizing was that the young ladies had a lot of questions about my career. So I started the first class for high school students on national security, foreign policy and law enforcement. And then I started teaching at an all girls school and my class became full every single year. So I started having to add more and more and more and more sections of it. Um, and now I've had over 60 girls go into these careers, military, oh my gosh, CIA, awesome. FBI, Homeland Security. And to me, that's my way of like, I guess, not quitting and making a difference is that, look, I've had these two careers. Um, one of the ways that we can act, enact change is by exposing more women to these careers and showing them how they can have them and maybe sort of leveling out right the gender narrative a little bit that's amazing I, that you do that that's a bit it's almost as if we're transitioning out of that world into the teaching world it was it, it feels right well so the fbi taught i always this is what i say cia taught me what i want to teach fbi taught me who i want to teach that's how i view it and what life taught you how to teach it mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> i mean we had to road test this and when we went in i I remember when all this kicked off, it was like an uncertainty. I mean, yeah, we knew what to do in the situation, but like we didn't know what the situation that was going to present itself. So of we had course, to step, you never do. Yeah, you never do, right? That's the surprise. And then yes. over time, you just get battle tested in that over and over again until you get that repetitive motion and then teaching it back to the kids. I think the cool part was learning the little tricks in between. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, instead of you having to get your ass kicked like this over and over again, I'm just going to tell you. This is how it goes down. And I, and I can give you an example of it now. And I, I, there's so much value in that. I think there's so much value in it. And I think too, like, yeah, I am a tough cookie, but I've always been a tough cookie. I mean, like I was bullied. I have parents who are like definitely no nonsense people, right? Like this is just how I was yeah. raised. Right. And so I think part of it is that those careers agreed with me because like, that's who I am. I'm not like a kid gloves kind of person who gets my feelings hurt, you know, yeah. easily. So is but that's just things, who I am. Right. And so you address too? that's okay. Um, but it's, I don't know. I really, I guess I found my, my, my passion, and my, my calling now. I think it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, you said it earlier when you were growing up because you, you thought you, you were weak and I mean, you, the ones that don't look like they're supposed to be in that part, they can teach you. I mean, with some, all right. The best is when you know somebody and then you're kind of sitting there and you hear something in conversation about them. It completely changes the way you look at them. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, if you and I and just haphazardly so were sitting around somewhere and I, I didn't know, maybe I'm talking about without conversation. Mm -hmm. And then you look over and she's like, oh, that's the girl that worked the desk for when terrorism, you just start kicking up and the whole, you know, I'm like, what? What? Yeah. What? I mean, of course you are. Sometimes that sucks because people will say, oh, you're just a teacher, you know, like you're just a teacher. But I almost feel like then I have to like front load the other two things I did sometimes. Oh, like, get over that now. That's <laughs> an ego messing with you. Yeah, there. Come on. You don't I do that too. <laughs> I don't. But that's why I actually never mention them because um, then as a female, like a lot of times people don't want to be my friend uh, because it's very off-putting to them. Like what oh, I used cool, to do. You're more so badass I'm in this are. weird place if that makes any sense well i think you're incredible yeah so how do you play it 
I mean, I, you are a CIA operative. You can go undercover, right? You don't tell anybody. <laughs> you should be really good at that. That is very true. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. The best trained thing we got down here. If you can't get that done, that we're is, in trouble. That is super true. <laughs> I think everything you've done is super admirable. And whether you say it or not to, you know, whoever you're talking to and they think you're just a teacher – what you've been through comes out. Yeah, you got to see. We have you know, to see that. The actions I mean, there, come out. There has to be one person that goes through that. And you got chosen. <laughs> I mean, there has to be a pillar if you're going to set one so everyone can follow to, to have something to identify. That we were talking about that the other day with one of our kids. I was like, so do you want to have the written word down or, or something to look at? Remember that? Or just to try? I was like, man, if you have an eye, something you can, I can identify. Like, man, she right. went through that. She took that. Not only that, man, she can teach it back to you. That's important for sure. Well, yeah, and I think one also too, I'm trying to help. I mean, yes, I teach, but I'm also, um, I don't know if people realize this, but if you're CIA, you are not privy to the same kinds of benefits that veterans are um, because you're not considered a veteran, right? And so like they don't get mental health care and they don't get, it's it's really sad. Um, and so- I actually had a little bit of success. I, I randomly in a shot in the dark emailed um, my Senator, Senator Cornyn's office. Oh yeah. Uh, because, yeah. He's one of my senators. Um, and they've, they've had like zoom meetings with me twice to sort of like discuss this issue. And so it's, I mean, it matters to me, right? Because I think there's a lot of folks that went through stuff <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, okay. I'm fortunate. I'm in a financial position that we can pay like to, go to counseling or, you know, whatever it is you need to do. Um, but they don't get mental health care and that sucks. Well, especially that. when you're put when now, if you're putting young girls into this, you know, path, right. you want them right. to be taken care of. Of course. And so course. that's awesome that you're taking the time to even make that change or try to make that change with our government when you know what they need. And if they don't have it, you can help get it for them trying i don't know how much success i'll have but you know who knows <laughs> oh that tech yeah well our texas boys better be swing that they better be able to especially for those who got attached to us like if you're cia and you got attached to us and those guys and girls that did they got busted up bad mm-hmm. i mean real bad we did. And there ought to be that little 70s and 80s babies little venture right there you can just push them <laughs> in there because there's one team one fight yeah i agree a hundred percent well, I know we've had you for an hour now, but I want to hear the trunk story if you can tell it. Oh, yes, the trunk I'm story. Trying to Sorry hear about the trunk that. story. Um, so yes, the trunk story. I was on my way uh, to debrief a terrorist. I'll use it in that language. Mm-hmm. And um, typically when we would drive in this particular country, it's not a good idea for women to be in the car, even though I covered Mm-hmm. Um, you know, completely. It's just not a good idea. And particularly the guy that I was with, like there just really wasn't any way of making it seem like he wasn't a white dude. Like, right. I mean, yeah, he had red hair, yeah, right. hair skin. I mean, it just wasn't white. No, yeah. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, right. just, just wasn't a way to do that. And so um, he put me in the trunk, like to get from like where we, where our particular little station camp was set up to where we needed to go. And uh <laughs> he was like trying to talk to me, but I couldn't hear him like through the truck. So we stopped the car on the side of the road in a place where like no one could see us, got out, 
opened up the trunk just a little bit, kind of knelt down and was trying to like, tell me what to expect um, <laughs> in meeting with this particular terrorist. So, you know, it was a meeting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's Removing hilarious. the environment was completely normal. <laughs> it was completely normal. In the Chen environment, Wang. it was yeah, completely yeah. normal. Completely normal. <laughs> Throw the environment in there now, and that changes everything. Oh, my gosh. That's so, so yes, crazy. That's, that's, that's the one. trunk meeting that's that I one. had. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing your story. So how can we help you? Um, can you tell people how you, they can get your book and Finally what you're doing you. now? Yeah, help you, support you all. Yeah, so you can get my book anywhere, you know, Amazon, any of those big places. And then I started um, an open Instagram page, the unexpected spy, where I sort of take my teaching and I'll, I take like complex national security and foreign policy issues. I think not to be too blunt, I'm really sick of like the political slant on a lot of these issues. So I try to are. take the issues. I boil them down to one minute and I explain to the audience, like, this is what this means or this is what this is in very apolitical quick fashion so you can get your news like that way so i started that i don't have that many followers but you know i try just i follow you i love it and that's why i reached out to you because i love having non-biased news i don't know in any place to really get it so i just thought well I'll just break. And then some people got mad at me because I did post about like Mar-a-Lago, but like I had to, it was in the news. I don't know yeah. what you want me to do. Right. And so then I just like broke it down. This is what classification means. This is what, right. you know, just to try to. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, not to, you don't even put this in here, but if you had like your own app or YouTube channel that said the accident or the unexpected spy, I'd subscribe to it like if you just got up on there and taught people a skill a trade craft Someone how to be a spot me to do that but i don't know how to do that <laughs> woman you're the only one who knows how to do that i mean yeah it's just be yourself like hey when i wake up in the morning this is my first thing talk about reflections and how <laughs> how, how to walk really? how to be oh yes. are you kidding yeah. me it's like they don't really know how to people do. would care and it's I the stuff that you overlook well, this is the stuff they want the stuff think- that you think's not important and oh, it's like, oh, that's not a big deal. I'm telling you, that, I think that's you the fun stuff. I know you get it. If I you just, like, focused <laughs> on the apolitical, just like like how you did the Mar-a-Lago thing, I, yeah. I saw all of that post. If And Kara can help you. I'm offering yeah. Kara's help. Kara <laughs> yeah, can help you. I'll be your friend. <laughs> you know, I am, and I guess you guys get like four to 78. Like, I think I'm decent with technology, but I'm not that good. Well, here's the deal now. The best part about it is the no tech. Yeah. <laughs> Is that little that you have those skills that you can't even imagine? They're not, you, you can't even tap into them to your out long enough. That's another thing, too, because you're still, your that's mind, true. You're thinking, that's a your really mind good is thing. still focused so hard on that. And, and also, it you're takes not allowed backing <laughs> out to, to get that done. And and now, yeah, no, I don't Kara, even know what that was, but I, it was Kara. Her oh, voice is yeah. coming, your voice is coming through really soft. Oh, sorry. Um, but for but, sure, man, that would be, oh, be awesome. Kara okay, can I'll, help you start you, you a YouTube. Inspired. I'll be your first member. I mean, yes. I, if I saw that, I'd, I'd be like, oh, I got to see what this is. And if you showed up, I'd be like, I'm going to teach you how to be up. There th- is another, um, it's actually one of our friends, um, and her husband was a teammate of Marcus's. Um, she was with Fox News for a long time, and then um, she decided to become a full time mom. But she started an online platform of very non biased news called Smart. Her news, smart, H E R, 
news. And I do want that oh, in yeah, there. I have, want to I give mean, her that plug. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, you I want follow to, that I'm one too. I'm saying, like, if you got up there, just because of what you can teach and what you've been through, and experience is experience. So just talking about, like, from the academies, from the FBI to the CIA, the difference in that. Like, if a man says this to you, this is how you react. Mm hmm. And we talk about that all the time. I was like, put them in a scenario, then give them three options. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you know we have them. You, have, you, you can play out a million <laughs> options in your head every time a scenario would focus in on itself. And we just got better and better at it. Yeah. And it's, you can't see that because you, you're still really focused on that. But that's the brilliance in what you've done over your life. And I think I'll do it. I don't know you how should do I'm, it. I'm gonna do I it. I think you should do it. You should Kara's, totally do it. Kara said she'll help. Kara's right. social media. Right <laughs> Thank you. Know, yes. yes. have three subscribers. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so now, now that I know how close you are to us, you're definitely doing this. You understand me? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you yeah, so much for coming on, and we will Watch promote it. your um, your Instagram and your book and uh, your new YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm going to get myself one. <laughs> you already got the greatest name for yeah. it. I mean, it just writes itself. Right. If it's not already taken. Oh, we'll find whoever uh, that is and scare the mess out of Make sure you get it like today before this yeah. releases. We'll yeah. do that for you, girl. Don't worry. Well, thank you all so all right. much. Yes, ma'am. Bless Bye. you. Have a great day.